Welcome to the MRAC Film Club, where majestic reindeer abolish Christmas. We are a weekly film discussion group. What we do here is one of us chooses a theme for the month. This month is Orson Welles, brought to us by Marco. We need to discuss uh, one film a week. That film this week being Orson Welles's uh, Citizen Kane. Yeah, before we get to that, who are we? I am Shotmaster General Anthony R. here in California. And with me, as always, from the backwoods of Maine, Brian. I'm your resident science bitch. And the state of Rhode Island, Peter. Hey, guys. It's Pete here. I'm probably going to get confused about something really simple this week. So nothing, nothing new. <laughs> and... To directly to my left, physically next to me on my left is Marco. Yes, yes, Marco jet lag, Brindare. Very jet lag. He was as he was falling asleep as we were watching the movies, which we'll get to. And a very special guest this week, no stranger to us. You know him, you love him. Not of man of few words, and. Also, not a man of few facial yeah, hands. It's like it makes like two backhanded compliments in a row. <laughs> He's getting, look, you're looking like that. Also, also not not of man, yeah. but born of the ether. My brother, yeah. Renzo, drinker of the ichor. Renzo, drinker of the ichor. Brindar. I'm just here to make an increasingly unbearable cameo. <laughs> to, to for the for the folks at home, he's he's directly at my right. Mark is on my left. I'm like the, I am the meat of a Brundell rice sandwich. <laughs> Why do you think you're the meat? Because I'm in the middle. What do you, you this might be a crappy sandwich. You might be like a wilted piece of lettuce. And that's it. <laughs> this might be a horrible sandwich. Well, Brunzo, welcome. Let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's get into it. And anyone else got any, uh, any questions before we start, before we get to Orson Welles? What are you drinking there, Brian? Some Nog? My favorite. Are we gonna? Wow. Ooh, Evan My Williams eggnog. Favorite. Wow. Evan Williams eggnog. It is, dude. There, you. This is This is a tough product to find because there's a very few of us who know about this. And you would think, oh, well, so it's easy to get. No, there's a few of us who know this and hunt it down when it comes out. And it is a hard product to but find. But that's a real thing. That's like that's not just a label you made and stuck on a giant bottle of whiteout. This is this is real. I couldn't find it. I couldn't. I went to Cappy's, but I went everywhere and like three different states. And then I went home to, to my mom's house and I was a failure. And she goes, hey, Bri, this 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 bottle you left here last year. It's not open. Should I throw it out? And she pulls it out of the bag. And it was like a goddamn Christmas miracle. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, is is there is there alcohol already in the bottle? Yes, there is, my friend. 
That would be really cruel if Evan Williams put their name on it. It was just no alcohol. It was just how long? Do, how long do those last? How, how long are they consumable? Well, I can tell you at least a year. Okay, and it'll be gone by the end of this uh, meet. Oh, if it's anything like sure. last week, we got pretty saucy. We got pretty sauced last night. Last week was the old New England eggnog, which is a good product. But the Evan Williams, when you taste it, it, it is a superior product. Well, I've consumed enough nog in the last couple of days that I'm I'm nog free uh, tonight. We, we've been mostly doing the rye nog. Yeah, a lot, really a lot of rye. Rye's R-Y-E. R-Y-E. Yeah. As, a, as we're we're rye guys, you know, like we always say, yes. we're rye guys of a sort of a sort. Rye guys of a sort. All right, Marco. Last week, final the conclusion of Orson Welles' week. Do a little do a little intro. We're getting to the classic Citizen Kane. We're going to decide tonight if it's all right. If it's so, overrated or it is the greatest film ever. So so wanted wanted to to end the month on a strong note. A combo, magnificent Ambersons. And Citizen Kane. Uh, now, uh, the week was taken up due to international travel and a quite busy week with the family. And in the midst of jet lagged, uh, we attempted to binge watch both films back to back. Which we uh, just, which we, I mean, we saw, me, the three, and, me the three of us, well, did sit in front of well, it. Yeah, Renko did binge and watch all of yeah, them. Two, two people <laughs> yeah. succeeded in binge watching. Uh, I, I running on about three hours of sleep, um, failed to make it through the entirety of both films. So I can tell you uh, about sixty percent of Citizen Kane and maybe seventy-five of magnificent Ambersons, but it's okay because i have the pinch hitter my old brother here your today. old brother my old brother <laughs> ye old brother ye old bro because we we wanted to to maintain that old timey theme of the magnificent Ambersons. <laughs> the upper ye, sibling ye old timey not Older by 30 seconds <laughs> Um, so, so, um, first of all, who, who watched, uh, the supplemental? This is, I am so embarrassed to say I did not, and I'm going to. Oh, I'm so disappointed in you, man. I, you you always watch the supplemental. Yeah, we really, we Ooh. thought I would have expected. No. It was, it, it, it was Christmas and I had to, I had like a two and a half hour drive and I was literally around my nieces and nephews all day and night. And usually I squeeze this in either really early or really late. But this time they're getting older now, so they actually stay up late. And mm -hmm. so I am robbed of any free time that I have. I didn't even get to talk to Mia at all. Like I had no, I had no time. I just got back today and I just finished Citizen Kane about like 20 minutes ago. Uh, so, so this note, note to selves, uh, do not plan a uh, intense film week during, during Christmas week. Uh, now, Wait, the only person who thought that it was a good idea was you. That's it. Nobody I, I just planned a standard month. I, I was not adjusting for the holidays. With literally the one of the what's considered to be one of the greatest movies of all time to be the week of Christmas. <laughs> and is it? Ah, uh, yes. And is we it? We will and find it? out soon. We will find out soon. So we're going to, the supplemental, I think it was good last week when we put the supplemental at the end anyway. I think that was good. So maybe we'll just, we'll start with Citizen Kane. Yeah. 
and go from there. We'll go around. Marco, give us a synopsis, then we'll go around, give us, uh, we'll give first impressions. All right. So Citizen Kane, 1941, written, directed, starred by Orson Welles, uh, long considered to be in contention for number one film of all time. Um, the film is quasi-biographical. Essentially, Orson Welles made a composite of several business and media tycoons of the time to create the film. Uh, and uh, that's that's all that's all I have <laughs> prepared for this. Really, the, guy, wait, the, the guy who watched like 60% of the movie is in charge of giving the synopsis. Like how did, how did this yeah. happen? No, no, I'm just no, try, I'm trying to bow out as quickly as well, possible. You've that's seen it before, best. right? Was this your first time watching it? No, no, I, I watched it. Oh, but it's, it's been it's been over 20 years. And and you you can you can shove it, Brian. <laughs> hey, I watched every other supplement. So it'll be like this, because right? it wouldn't be a holiday if there wasn't a family fight <laughs> before, before. And then the MRAC family. Did we say what MRAC stood stood for? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I'm, you I'm, were. I'm, you were all here right now. He's you magnificent were, reindeers yeah. abolishing Christmas. Thank you. Uh, yes. Uh, we had to, he was asleep when you were talking. I think that's what happened. <laughs> Why is he not asleep? Oh, I, 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 oh, hey, oh, oh, daggers! Wow. Right, so there was the synopsis. <laughs> first, let's go around. Wait, uh, first you impressions. Haven't been drinking yet? This is this is impressive. I'm having a fantastic mug of water. This... You're looking like with the when you get the goblet there. You got the beard. Yeah. You're looking. Um, I'm, I'm straight yeah. out of um, straight out of Compton. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which is not near, which is kind of nearby. Yeah, So who's going first? Yeah. So so for those who watch the entirety of the film, we're gonna, we're gonna take uh, make our rounds, mm -hmm. give our first impressions. First impressions. Uh, who would like to go first? Well, he was talking. Why, Marco? Once you finish with your first just first impressions no. of of. of uh, um this or this second impressions not disappointed okay um this is my this is my first time ever seeing it for me and myself and i well it's like i wasn't even prepared it's like i didn't even realize we were doing like a film talk tonight uh it was i'm still trying we just watched it so i didn't i didn't take any notes i don't have any notes to go on for this week i i did appreciate this movie that was told a story of somebody's life told by other people talking about him and the rosebud thing i just knew because there's so many like pop culture references that first scene we had to go back and watch it i remember looking away and i was like whoa there's like a lot of fades just happened i gotta go back and check out and watch watch that again so i figured out what rosebud was towards the end after the uh not to go into spoilers early but and I don't know if I I just knew that from like watching the Family Guy or something or or just how just just Probably. figuring it out. But um, I I I mean there were so many shots to take in out and and in you know the lighting and everything just like whoa there's a lot going on and while I'm watching it realizing I am gonna have to watch this again and so I'll just I'll that'll be my initial thoughts for now. Uh, I didn't I did enjoy it. Uh, Brian, let's go to you. I, I, I mean, I, I, I appreciated it because I don't study camera work or I don't study film cinematography. 
I liked it. And then I started studying it and, you know, watch, I, I had the time to squeeze in a couple of videos about cinematography. Um, and they really made me appreciate it. I, you know, they said, Hey, here's an innovative technique that was used and here's an example of it. And they showed, and then they did that a couple of times and it really made me appreciate what I thought was a simple scene that was way more complex and way more depth um, the, that was there than I had, that I had realized because an untrained eye, I just watched this and say, Oh yeah, that's a pretty cool scene. And I can't explain why. And then when you, when you, when you look at how it was choreographed, whether it was through sound, through depth, different camera lenses and actor and actress movements, um, you realize how he made really complex, um, complex matter communicated in very simple ways uh, that wasn't like spoon feeding it to the audience. It was, but it was very natural. Uh, so, so when I saw those videos, I gained a, a much greater appreciation for the movie, and and I can see why people say it was great. Now, can I say it was the greatest movie of all time, or even no spoilers? No spoilers yet. What? <laughs> Don't spoil if it's the greatest movie of all time. He dies at the end. No. No. Can I? Say, it's, I was fucking. <laughs> I was asking a fucking question. You. you Wait, are you, when you spoil it, do you want to postpone that question to the? Of I, I'm more postponing the talk of if is it the greatest movie ever or if it's overrated until the <laughs> you end. You want to postpone the least, you know. That makes sense. Let's front load the conversation because that's the least interesting question. Well, let's front load the conversation. I agree. It's good because yeah, we're, we're all in agreement here. Brian, sorry. Continue. Finish Can I answer part. whether it's the greatest movie of all time? Like, no, I can't answer that because I think I need to see it again, and I need to, you know, I I don't think you can watch a movie once and be like greatest movie of all time. It's the goat. Um, so, so I'm not going to make those claims there today, but I can say it, it was an absolutely fantastic movie, both the acting and the way that it was made. Um, and just my, my, my viewing experience. I loved it. You, you, um, just to sneak in a, a quick quickie right now with the comment, that's like, cause last week I watched touch of evil and I really, and I enjoyed it. And then I watched all the, you know, like making up stuff and read about it and then went back in and watched it again. And that's when I was like, well, could I give it a 10 out of 10 as we remember last, last week? I still stand by you know, in my sobriety right now. Yeah. As I'm not drunk as I was when I gave the review last week. Um, not as drunk? No, no, no. I'm not just high in life. I'm not high in just holiday. The spirit of it's, Boxing it's, Day. It's the Christmas spirit. Man. It is. It's real. It's a real yeah. thing. Yeah. St. Stephen's Day. Pete, what you got? Okay, guys. Let's see. Um, so, Bri, about the um, the camera work and everything you researched into, I want to hear more about that. I want to hear like what scenes are are amazing. Mm. Um, the other thing I I'm really interested in about this movie. I want to hear what you all think about what's like the themes of the movie because as, as i was like watching this and this is my second time so this is my second impression as i'm watching this i'm like picking out like 10 major themes in other words like an infinite number of themes and and that's what made me think about like oh geez maybe that's why people think this is the greatest movie ever because like everybody can like sort of take away a different theme from the movie um so that was one one uh, comment. Um, I'm I'm also not going to spoil whether what my score is here. Like Brian almost spoiled his score out of ten, so I'm not going to do that. Um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll hold my comments. You know, being the second second time watching it, there's a couple of things I noticed. So, um, yeah, looking forward to talking about it, guys. Yeah, we'll get to we'll definitely break down some scenes and and get into themes before we do that. Renzo, let's well, Renzo is mm -hmm. perfect to like where he, you're going to go into something that'll lead us into something else. This discussion, so give us. Oh, your, is that what I'm supposed to? Okay. I mean, no, just do no. It's going to happen naturally. It's Jesus lot, Christ, I didn't need to put pressure. pressure on you. I didn't need to pressure. Stop. Forget. I just I didn't say anything. No. It's, okay. Family family tensions high. Sorry, okay. if you know around the holidays. Mm. Get a grip over there. I need everybody to get a fucking grip right now. Can the three of you do that? Can the three of you do that? I might need some more water. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, both of, both of these films are just, uh, I don't know, they're good, they're good movies to watch if you are under the delusion that you are living through a uniquely bizarre time in American or world history. And, they, they, you know, they both together remind you of all kinds of things that have been going on for a very long time. And, you know, the same problems, you know, the same ridiculousness, the same kinds of, you know, uh, uh, social, political, technological transitions and, you know, uh, the, the full crappiness of, you know, the human personality. Um, yeah, don't need to go on with that. It's just, it's, it's, it's almost like it's reassuring, you know, it's like a warm blanket of, of knowledge that, you know, um, I am not, you know, suffering in any unique way, you know, that, that things have just generally always sucked. Do you have a, like a part in like one specific part of Citizen Kane or an aspect or a, or a scene that kind of can, can call attention to that? Oh, so of, of Citizen Kane? Of Citizen Kane specifically, yes. Oh, um, okay. So quick, quick easy parallel you know it's the you know the 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 sense that you know you have to demonstrate to Kane um that you love him like he requires that you know and there's an easy parallel you can make with a sort of an Elon Musk type character right you know because he is putting himself out there Kane is as you know uh the guy who fights for the common man but he you damn well better tell him that he's a hero for fighting for the common man you know, so and that's the same kind of thing. Like you know, Musk. You know, he's like you know, I'm going to save you know the human race and planet Earth, and and you damn well better love me for it. You know, and you maybe make sure that I'm the one to do it. No one else is allowed to do it. Me, I have to do it. You know, it's that it's that same kind of you know wanting to be the hero, the center of the story. Um, you know, constantly inserting oneself into the action or creating the action so that one can be um, the hero you know, and receive the love that you so desperately crave. I'm doing this for you. Like, it's funny. That sounds a lot like Jesus. It sounds a lot like Orson Welles. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah. Well, I think the only thing is that you can't, you, he wouldn't have been able to make this movie if he wasn't capable of a certain amount of empathy. There's a lot of understanding of human beings that, you know, a typical character such as a, you know, you know, Hearst, who was mostly based off of, or a tech bro, or, you know, somebody like, like, there's an empathy issue there. There's too, it's, you're so self-centered. You can't, you can't really be an artist. You know, you have to understand human beings. Um, so, you know, it, it may have been part of his personality, but he, he didn't need to be able to deeply empathize with people in order to be creative in this way and be able to express real human experiences and emotions. 
Yeah, and that 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 um, that desire to be loved. I th I think that's one of like, bringing it to like one of what I think is the major theme for me is he he needs this love because he was rejected by his mother. Most, you know, well, I, I, it's not the right. He, it felt that way, you know, as a child, it's going to feel that way. That was not her. She was not trying to reject him. You know, she was trying to save him. Well, but she yeah. did by, in by saving him. It, I mean, especially to a child. Yeah. It, That's it, it was a rejection. Yeah. It's, it's going to feel, it's going to deprive him of he, his mother. He's not going to understand what she was trying to do for him. Yeah. He's, it's just going to feel like, you know, he was, he was torn away from her. And it's still kind okay, of. We, okay. We got, we got our first theme there needs love rejected by mother first theme yeah i mean i guess rejected is kind of when you're sending your son away to be raised by another person nah, maybe abandoned is he felt abandoned by the mother well i mean i guess i mean the only conclusion a kid can come to is that my parents don't love me yeah that's what it is yeah the main issue whatever the word is love like he doesn't get that love so he needs love from everybody he needs like he needs love for the world I mean, I think I'm I'm kind of with Raguchi on that one. Like, that's just I, there. I'm I'm sure there's a bunch of other themes, but that is clearly like to me that was clearly like the overriding theme of the movie. Yeah. I mean, every every and the mom he had with people. Wait, well, sorry, Brian, I interrupted you. What was the overriding theme? No, just 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 to, just that he in in in, a, in any relationship he had, he sought that love, just like Renzo was saying earlier. Like he he was seeking love, even though he pretended like it was well, not pretended. He wasn't pretending. I, Sure, he was. You know, I'm sure he was genuine in his actions, but but it's a certain, I don't know. I don't know. He wanted, dude. he wanted to be. He wanted to be the beloved, right? So, in generally, in these kind of relationships, there's a lover and a beloved. He wanted to be receiving. You know, he needed to be the one who was being loved. He could not love. Yeah, that's complicated because the way he was treating the women toward the end got it went down some different paths there. Um, but but as far as the mom, did you notice the mom was trying to protect him from the dad? Because the dad, yeah, yeah. the dad was one of my quotes, was my only quote probably that I wrote down. But the dad goes, What that kid needs is a good thrashing. Yeah. yeah. And there's something about the way, you know, and they were they were, you know, they were a lot they were very detail-oriented with this film. Something about the way that he comes across, he looks like he has an alcohol problem. And in the and in the forties, though, that's just where you drank alcohol and you gave thrashings. Yeah. It's kind of commonplace. You know? So, so let's standard, let's standard child care, doctor spots. Yeah. I, I want to divert off of what Renzo just said, though. So, if if this is about a guy who seeks love, seeks to be loved, um, how do you how do you explain the scenes with the second wife, where he's forcing her to be an opera singer? When it's like she's terrible and it's destroying her, how that that feels like that plays into a different type of well, it's, it's situation. A, there, he was very focused on not being made a fool of. Like this is my project, and I will do this, and I will not be made. I will not lose this. <laughs> well, my my understanding was there was a scandal created because he was he was having an affair with her, right? Well, yeah, but yeah. That, but why was he? Forcing her to be an opera singer because when it came out in the papers, it was oh, he's always he's having an affair with some singer, and yeah. he's trying in right. quotes, yeah, yeah, and he's trying yeah. to prove that it's not just some singer; yeah. it's actually he's supposed to be opera talent. It's a, it's it's one of the themes was was you know how does he handle being embarrassed 
by the same kind of tactics that he would engage in when he would talk about other people through his newspapers. I mean, he would totally trash other people's reputations with his newspapers, but don't you dare make him look bad in your news. Yeah, and, th and that's what takes away from a theme that he wants to be loved by maybe a wife or something, because it almost seems like, yeah, I don't, like he wants to be loved by the general public. I don't know. Yeah, no, that, 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 so I think that took precedence over the wife because there's just more people involved. So like, if you're not a good opera singer, they won't love me. I mean, I, I'm not, I, that, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent confident on that, but that's, that, that's my takeaway. I, I, I had similar thoughts as you, Pete. And saying every, like, time they every time they showed, uh, you know, a, a headline about the relationship, they always had her his singer in quotes it had, at least twice. Um, so well, then, and he he was really fixated on it. And he's like, "I'll show you. I'll build an opera house, and yeah. then I will yeah. have her playing that opera house. I'll sh I'll show them all." Yeah, yeah. But and, question, question though, question on this, it's a, on and on building on Pete's question too, because um, he he then went on. So because I can I can sit here and say, "All right, well, he just wanted everybody. He wanted everybody to love her because then they would love him for finding her." But he also. He also finished his friend's article that basically trashed her. And so I'm wondering, okay, is there another layer onto this where he also wanted his friends to love him more than he wanted all the other people to love him? So he honored his friend's wishes, wrote the article that trashed her. I I am I getting that right? But he's got, if you point out to him that he's full of shit, at that point, because it, like remember, Jedediah says he never finished anything in his life except for that review that he that he wrote for me. Um, if you point out to him that he's full of it, then he's like, "Oh, oh yeah, I'll show you. I'm not full of it. I'm going to finish this." And and his yeah. friend said something. What is the comment yeah. his friend said? Like, "Oh, Orson's in there." I mean, uh, um, Citizen Kane's in there. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. Citizen Orson. <laughs> Citizen Orson is in there. Um, and he's finishing. He's finished your article, and he's going. He's using your words, and he's. I I forget what he said, but something along the lines of, "Oh yeah, that's." He's writing it the that, way that you would have written it. Yeah, like he, he wants to make it seem like he. He wants to prove he's an honest man. Prove he's an honest man. That's what it was. There we go. And, and would you guys? Would you guys almost say that like? The movie almost had like two parts. It, it almost had like this guy doing so well, being so successful, giving so much, changing the world for the good. And then there was this like downfall, right? So it's wow. almost like the first half of the movie, he was he wouldn't have done that stuff, but the that's, second half of the movie, he was a bit no, more no, he's, he's like he was like he's using his newspaper to get the United States to you know fight Spain. You know, <laughs> like, well, th th I mean, yeah, exactly. No, that, it was the illusion that he was using it for good. That that was that that was that was, and that was that was Leland. Leland was his friend. That was Leland's major criticism, and that's what made Leland say, "You know what? F this guy. I'm out of here," because he realized that. He was just full of crap. Like he 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 was just his words were hollow because he didn't really want to help the poor. He just wanted people to love him. Yeah. Is, is this is this the first cinematic reference to fake news? The, the Spanish Armada. I you know what I, I'm actually almost... unaware that the Spanish Spanish Armada even existed. Nobody expects a Spanish Armada. <laughs> I am sure that there is somebody in a silent film who referenced fake news. I'm certain of it. Bri, are you speaking of Leland? Did you recognize Leland? Was he my uncle? 
<laughs> yes. And, and there's the great reveal, folks. Here we go. Brian today has found out <laughs> the character of Leland is actually his long lost uncle. Shit. <laughs> this is, this is finding your roots. Hitch, Hitchcock. Hitchcock month. He was the, the, the main guy from Shadow of a Doubt. Wow, that's super funny because I saw I saw uh, young Citizen Kane's mom, and I th I was like, oh wow, is that Rebecca? So it was a different Hitchcock character, but it it isn't. Yeah, Agnes Moorhead has been a lot of stuff. You guys are so educated. We, we this is all due to film club. <laughs> I mean, Renzo naturally, but us through from this from this MRAC. I was just saying how I thought one person was another person, and they weren't. So I, I'm not sure I'd call that educated. Well, you just notice similarities, uh, which is uh, good also, right? We're, we, right? Yeah, sure. All middle-aged no. women look the same in black and white, dude. I don't know. Oh, that's so, you're so, you're such a colorist. <laughs> black and white, everything looks the same. We've all gone over this. It's I always find it so weird how, how did people survive back then not seeing color? <laughs> Like how did he? Just how did? Oh, how did they? Day -day lives. Yeah, they had no color. Like it's so weird. Like flowers back in the forties were in black and white. I mean, yeah. So black and white movies are so good. It's like cheating. That's what I think. Cheating, nice. Like yeah, it's like it's like it, it's like an easy way to make your film like twice as good as just make it black and white. You're making a noir, noir. How about scenes? Let's let's do some scenes. My um, scene, I thought, so there's the first scene, <clears throat> but there's there's also the one where it goes through at the roof of where the uh, the where the ex the second wife lives, and they go through the sign and down into the window, and then it dissolves to make it look like it goes through the window. Mm. That that must have been. I mean, for the forty one. Must have been like people must have been like whoa, 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 whoa. I, there every every scene is good in this movie every, like they're all good mm. i i highlighted the tent scene where um where you know he was fighting with his wife mm. and i noted like oh my god he's slowly turning into marlon brando from apocalypse now like he was sitting there aged bald head in the shadows just kind of looking half out of it and I, I, I really, I, I thought that was very apocalypse now esque. And then when they, when they went outside and butchered the, the, yeah. the cow, the bull, yeah. they butchered. Yeah. And then suddenly oh. the, the film went to color and just red <laughs> spraying everywhere. It was very exciting. They actually did have an animal on them. They had a pig roast there. Right? Oh yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so uh, some, some like Disney birds flying in the background. <laughs> was, that was fun. Oh my God. The uh, that's right. Thank you for reminding me of this about animals. What I thought was probably, and I'm I'm trying, I'm really trying to think back. The most horrific scene transition of all time that I can think of. Oh, the it was right after the tent scene, and then all of a sudden, it just shows this like you go from a very like you know oh we're in the it's a it's a very kind of somewhat peaceful situation by the tent, and then it changes. And you go right to this transparent parrot who's like, mm, that was, yeah, that and was, then it disappears. And it's like, 
that was when she was. I actually, I thought that I enjoyed that, but that's why that's actually when she's leaving. When Susan Alexander is, is on her way out. Well, wait, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it, yeah. but like it was horrific. the The parrot was the entire size of the screen, and it was like a ghost parrot, and then it just screeched and disappeared. And I'm like, why was that necessary at all? I think that woke Marco up. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Actually, I don't think I don't think it was there because it was necessary. I think it was there because uh, Wells wanted to try all the different things that he knew about, and that was one of the things. It's really funny you say that. So, so I was um, listening to I watched a, an interview with um, Orson Welles on the Dick Cavett show. And 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 he, you know what I I and I I do apologize to Orson Welles because we have jokingly called him a liar over the course of you know because you know you lie to get some money. Is that for fake? Is that yeah, we've also commented on his weight quite a bit, but he was yeah. Alive. You know, so listen, we we play with Orson a little bit. R.I.P. But 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 I'll tell you one. Here's one answer that I, I truly appreciated, and it was so honest. And 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 Dick Cavett is there trying to like like hold him up as this this you know this. This this masterpiece filmmaker and now oftentimes and I, and I have called out Orson Welles on this before. Orson Welles gives the fake humble answer like, oh, "No, I'm not. I'm not that great." But then his answer is showing how great he is. He actually gave a humble. I am humble to be Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, here he said he's like you know the the and this was years later. The cinematography has been praised, and this some people call it the greatest movie ever. He said, well, "You know what made you think." that you could break all these rules of cinematography and that you can do this. And Orson Welles was like, it wasn't greatness. I just didn't know anything about camera work. He's like, I just went in. I didn't know what the rules were. So I just did whatever I wanted. It wasn't genius. It's like any fool could do it. But my benefit was that I basically didn't know the rules. And so he's like, it wasn't great at all. And I was like, you know what? That's a, that's an awesome answer. And and I, I really appreciate that because in science, like I'll I'll take in new students and they're like, they'll, you know, sometimes you tell them what the important rules are, but then you don't want to tell them what too many rules are because then you just make them like a carbon copy of the previous scientist. And and so I appreciate people coming into a craft not knowing what the rules are, so then they can come at a problem from a completely different point of view. And it was that angle that made him do some really innovative work. And the cameraman, who he said was one of the greatest cameramen of all time, who worked on that movie, Orson asked him, he said, why, why did you work with me on this movie? The cameraman said, because you never made a movie before and you didn't know what rule what you didn't know what rules could and couldn't be broken. So mm -hmm. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Really he also seemed to be excited about filmmaking because he, he does so many different things. And he sometimes mistaken, mistakenly thought of having invented certain things in this movie, but he just, he had, he just, it was because he had encountered them and he kind of put them all together. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm thinking in particular, like the deep focus work, like he didn't invent that, but he uses it to great effect. Talk about that, Renzo. We, we were talking about it earlier, right yeah. after the film, about the, the people who were in the... Yeah, so he, he sets up, there's that, you know, certain scenes where, in particular, when there's that geometry, where there's three points, and there's, like, in the foreground, there's, like, the two vertices of, of a triangle, two characters interacting, and they're interacting regarding, and uh, most importantly, when they're interacting regarding a third character slash vertex which is in the which is in the background that you know that far point of the triangle so the, the the two most important ones are the ones where 
you know, Wells, it's the parallel scenes, one where um, uh, Cain is a child and you see uh, the banker and his mother uh, talking about him and he's in through the window, you know, he's playing with the sled and he's further away and he's smaller and he does not have any influence over what's happening to him. And then there's that parallel scene where, again, same banker guy, but also Bernstein is there. They're talking, and that's when he's going bankrupt. And, and he walks all the way to the window, again, window, but you see him getting smaller, and you see, you understand as he's walking towards the window how high the window is. And he is, at that moment also, things are happening that he does not have uh, control over. Like, uh, he has run out of money, you know, um, and then there was the... Um, um, wait, 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 can I talk about yeah. that scene right there? That yeah. scene was awesome because it starts off. So they talk about like depth as being like foreground, middle ground, background. Yeah. This yeah. starts off in the foregrounds. And this is with, with barely changing the camera at all. Yeah. The scene starts off in the foreground with a guy reading a piece of paper. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he reads it. He drops the piece of paper. And behind that is a guy in the middle ground. So now your focus goes to the middle ground and now it's on him. And then the camera moves a tiny bit in the next part. The guy leans back a little and enters Orson Welles, what you said, walking all the way to the back of the room, really expanding the depth of the scene. This is something that, again, I would not have noticed because I just look at it and say, oh, yeah, that was a, that was a super normal scene. But he made it extraordinary through, you know, through a couple like pretty innovative techniques. But again, this was shit like this was done in silent films, but not the changing between the foreground and background and middle ground and the use of shadows and the use of yeah. objects and then the use of sounds in uh, the medicine scene. Yeah, but that it, but that uh, the deep focus technique was uh, in particular in several scenes. It, it, it's really uh, used to great effect to show a kind of loss of control of one of the characters. So, uh, you know, we were talking, we, we actually were talking, we were talking with the fireplace. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when he's standing by the fireplace in the background and, you know, uh, Susan Alexander's doing the jigsaw puzzle, there was another one where this is when he's, he's redoing the, the theater review. And so again, so you have this triangle again. So with the, the, the two vertices in the foreground, so, and it's Jedediah Leland and, and Kane, and then way in the back who had entered uh, the scene where they were interacting, uh, hoping that he could <laughs> do who knows whatever, but he just felt responsible. But he's tiny. Bernstein is way in the back. He's he's powerless to do anything about uh, what's happening between the two of them. So yeah, I, I, I also noted in that scene that that's a huge fireplace. We, we yeah, we yeah, commented on that. We were like, every, everybody noticed the fire. And I remember not being able to tell until he walked up to it. He walked Where was up it filmed? Like, oh my god, that's a huge that whole that whole palace mansion was over yeah, was, the top. Yeah. Everything yeah. was was gigantic. And this, the way because because I think you first mentioned the way that sound is used. The way that sound is used, for example, within where you get that sense of how massive it is with, with because yeah. she she was up by the fire playing with the puzzle, and he was back in the chair talking to her, and you. Yeah, the way it was focused on her, and you couldn't even hear him. His voice was just kind of like you yeah. barely audible in the background. Yeah. Was Echoey. that was that yeah. yeah reverberation within a huge empty room kind of thing? So they give yeah they give you volume with that too. That's yeah. that's a, amazing. Yeah, where they film it? Oh yeah, I I don't 
I don't know. Yeah, where was that? Was that a set or was? I didn't movie? look up anything. That must have been a set. I mean, it could I, have been a set because you didn't really get the set. They didn't really do too many through shots. So the inside interiors were amazing, and the exteriors when they showed these, they were like they looked that, like that was a sets and and. But, oh, I think you're talking about Xanadu. Xanadu was uh, that was an actual place that they filmed from the air. The Zen, yeah, the the one like I'm talking about the palace itself. Yeah, and then Marco, you mentioned. You're like, what was that? Oh, when they came yeah. out of the the building, and this it was on the street when they, they came out of the newspaper office, and you were you were just like, what what is that place? Or is that like a painted background or something? Oh yeah, there was that scene that the the office building looked two dimensional and it looked superimposed. Hmm. Um, well, did anybody else notice that? Or well, before we I, before we go on, while we're still on Xanadu, uh, the way the film was bookended. And the way that uh, Xanadu shot, um, super gothic, um, very shake, you know. So particularly with the with the intro, very shake Shakespearean to kind of start the story that way. It kind of grabs your attention because of the gothic nature, the mysterious nature. You know, um, it's like, hey, I got to get the audience interested, so they keep watching. You know, like let's have some witches around the cauldron, or we'll start off making this look like a vampire movie. You know, and and it's all very mysterious, and there's it's very moody. You know, it's dark. You know, it's it's a it's a great opening. The smashing of the snow globe. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. the 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 reflection, the curved reflection of yeah. of, of the of someone coming through the yeah. doorway in the globe. So we're entering the mystery uh, though, yeah. because you're entering. The, you know, the, the the globe represents you know the mist the the mystery the you know rosebud, and you are entering the mystery immediately. You know, because you're inside the globe looking through it and you have to then interpret everything, you know, from the Spanish point of trying to figure out Cain and his life. And um, and then at the end, you know, when they're going through all of that um, gathered, you know, detritus <laughs> of his existence. And it's just they're they're pointing at things and it's just like and it's from his entire life, from his childhood all the way through everything that happened to him. It's just all gathered together there in that room at the end and they're just trying to piece together it's that whole puzzle theme right she's yeah. Sanders doing the jigsaw like everyone's puzzling over what the heck does, does this guy's life mean who was he what was it that drove him what the heck was he talking about you know who was he the reporter said it well too i, I love so it's funny because i thought the reporter's comment was actually going to be the end of the movie and like saying like you know what we don't know we don't know no one will ever know maybe it was something he loved Maybe it was something he lost. And then they do the Ark of the Covenant scene, you know, the old Indiana Jones, like store this. Let's just put this box in a warehouse with 10,000 other boxes. They scanned over all of them and right onto the sled. And I'm like, right, when did you get it? When did you find out right at that last or big reveal? You mean find out about the sled? What Rosebud was. Yeah. When they showed this, do we know it beforehand? I mean, I, uh, I actually well, no, Raguch, uh, sorry, Anthony, I uh, remember, uh, found out before. I, 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 had, I, 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 my hint was for me, the, the snow globe and it had to do it when he was a child. I didn't, I didn't think, oh, I was like, oh, maybe the sled, but I don't know if I got that as a pop culture reference from somewhere else though. No, because I went back and watched the beginning scene and they cleverly they they covered it up the entire time. You could not see yeah, Rose yeah. The at all. Yeah, I, I went back. I watched every yeah. single scene, and I'm like, the kid had it pinched against his chest the whole time. Yeah. And when he threw it against the guy, his hand yeah. was covering the thing. 
Oh, but, wow. but yeah, yeah, you mentioned like it. Very, very important hitting hitting the banker with the sled. Super yeah. important scene. Yeah. yeah. So I I think I I connected it to his childhood because of the snow and but the sled part I might have been from hearing about it in Kapal culture reference. But Pete, do you have any any scenes? You mentioned scenes and themes. Do you have a scene or a theme? Um, well, I'll just say that the 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 movie was so grand overall. It was like on this grand scale. So I'm wondering, like, did they have a shitload of money to spend on this? Again, uh, it was again, nine hundred thousand production, which uh, I don't know. Adjusted. What was the average at the time? By 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 2018 stand uh, 2023. That's that's fourteen billion dollars. Billion um, eight hundred forty. Yeah, about eight hundred. So, so it was a little bit, a little over than the average at the time. Another, another comment. Like, I, I liked. Um, so, so I thought, I thought, yeah, the movie was interesting. The way it tells the story of his life at the beginning, like flying through it like a historical figure after he died. Um, but it's funny how they slipped in the scenes with like what was that Hitler. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm wondering, like, how they do that? Did, yeah. Was that like also pretty um, uh, something a lot of films were doing at that time? Is just sort like, of like, was it really Hitler? I think Marco was like, "Is that Hitler?" No, like, what they do? Did they put him into like some footage? Like, did, do you guys know what they did there, or did they get a body double? I don't know what they did. I'm, I'm presuming it was a body double. No, no, it okay. was Hitler acting in that. I thought it was. I mean, big budget, like big it. budget film. I mean, it I is like amazing if it, to start the film and, and introduce this character from like a newsreel, which was pretty, which yeah. pretty so, innovative. Also appropriate. And I love the yeah. way they told the story that, 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 you know what, the entire story is a single reporter going off of this really, you know, vague clue, a single word rosebud. And he and and to retell the story, the, the basically, I mean, it's basically a character profile, right? It's a character profile in chronological order, and he just goes and retraces steps of this person's life from another person's point of view. And, and I thought that I thought I'm not saying it was innovative, but I'm saying it was done beautifully. It's also it's also perfect uh, because um, he never finds out what the truth is. You know, the, obviously, the viewer finds out, but the reporter never finds out what the truth is, and that's. Important remember that the context of like you know being in the newspaper business your job is not actually to find out what the truth is your job is to keep your readers entertained keep them coming back for more there was some kind of poetry in in the truth being burned at the end you know just like the truth is burned and then the story starts again with every single one of us on earth right and then the fact that they're never gonna never gonna know never gonna know, never gonna know that because that's the thing that they would find out post-mortem and and it's unlike the the, the arc it's not like stored right it's, it's destroyed and burned well no they can go through they can go through um like little baby canes like snapchat profile and find <laughs> but they're gonna say they could dig through the ashes and find me uh, i uh, i got little baby canes new album it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> little baby cane are we spoil are we spoiling the movie for marco right now i don't, I don't know <laughs> yeah, no yeah, he already saw it he woke up for the end too Oh yeah, he had seen it. Okay. I got one more scene I want to talk about in the use of sounds that was really cool, and that that was the 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 uh, I, guess, I think it was a apparent uh, um, attempted suicide scene. Um, yeah, and, and so and that was again it was a foreground, middle ground, background, but instead yeah. of using objects and shadows this time, it used sounds. 
so the the scene starts off with a focus on the medicine bottle which is yeah. right in the foreground right at the camera and then there's you hear snoring and like deep snoring and breathe or, or not snoring heavy breathing mm-hmm. and brings your attention to the middle ground and you're like oh okay medicine bottle oh mm-hmm. Deep, heavy breathing. All right, something happened with the medicine bottle. And then there's a banging at the door in the way background. And it was Orson Welles, well, Citizen Kane um, coming in. And I thought that was another really cool, like, foreground, middle ground, background use. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, yeah. Good use. Yeah. I think uh, right about now, it's time for a little segment we like to call QQ Says. Meow. I prefer this week's cat supplemental, the Meownificent Ampers. Meow. Not the Meownificent Seven? Meow? No. No. <laughs> Ampers? What? The Ampersons QQ. Ampersons QQ. The Meownificent Seven. QQ also doesn't have notes this week. We, we actually, there was a rare QQ sighting today. Yeah, we we everybody met everyone. Uh, the the Brundelvere boys met QQ. I did not. I did not see QQ. Oh, because because Renzo didn't want to go down onto the floor and look I, under the. I bed. would I would have had to stretch my aching bones, and I went. You know, I'm just, I'm, getting, I'm getting to where I got to control yeah, my energy. She she showed up briefly, looked up, tell us to go screw ourselves. Uh, said Pete's dog can go jump in a river and die, and then left. That was that was QQ. That was QQ earlier today. Man, she is she is talking when you're around. <laughs> you, you you can hear it in the eyes. You can hear it in the eyes. Wow. So can we can we talk about um like makeup? Which I, there were times where I was questioning. Wait, is that the same actor? I mean, Orson Welles basically went from somebody in his twenties to like somebody in his seventies or eighties. And that happened in every one of his roles it's i mean the in the um fall when he was fall staff they he, they changed him up in the last week the, the 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 eyes and the prosthetics to make him look bigger and but at least half the films that we've watched if i didn't go and do it knowing it was an orson wells film and never would have picked up that it was orson wells he even played the child at the beginning it was, it was amazing <laughs> for 1941 that makeup was incredible <laughs> So I, I gotta say that guy was a lot thinner back then. He, he could play. Yeah, he he definitely he definitely changed his appearance as he got older in real life without the aid of makeup. Was to put it. But you, but even even like even his second wife, like her 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 um you know before and after characters mm. were aw- like they made her. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> she looks legitimately old. Like that was that was awesome. Yeah, you get, you get really the eyes. Every, yeah, everything the the you know the set designer, the the wardrobe, the every, every from top to bottom. I think that's what seems like one of the things Orson Welles does. He just assembles a cast and crew where every and everybody wants to work. I mean, maybe not at this point he was unknown, but throughout his career, everybody just wanted to work for him. Uh, so but, this was made in was this made in forty two or 47? 41. 41. 40 okay 41 so yeah that's really great practical effects for the aging awesome yeah, something to consider for next week's film awards well before whoa, we get whoa, to, whoa. To, right, before we get to ahead of ourselves let's let's do um next usually we do note dump i don't we don't have any notes here do you guys have any notes renzo do you have any or renzo if you have mental notes that you want to dump 
Oh gosh. Um, I don't know if you're, there was a, a lot to like add from the supplemental, but like, I'll throw in some notes and you, I'll throw in some oh, notes wow. and you can th think about it in the meantime. So I got, I go very, first of all, I, I don't know. She got, she got shit for her singing. I thought she was an okay singer. I, I, you know, so I, I, good. I was, uh, apparently, uh, Bernard, I think if I'm not mistaken, Bernard Herman actually came up with, um, original music for, for those scenes. Like, so it had to be something that the actress would ha have difficulty singing. I think it was getting up to that volume of that automatic yeah. volume yeah. That, that, you know, that yeah. singing from the not the, not a the nice actress. voice. Not nice. The, the person who was singing, not the, because it, it's not actually the actress, but yeah. But it had to be something, it had to be something that was going to be difficult to sing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Another note I had was, um, we didn't really talk about this, but the, the, you, the, there were so, like so many shadows in every single scene. Yeah, I love yeah. It. I love it. One one of the ones that sticks out to me is when they were talking about um, at the beginning. No, we're gonna find out what rosebud means. All those reporters, and they were just the guy was in just dark. Yeah, yeah. he was completely covered. And yeah, there were there were shots. Of, I don't know if it was this or or, or, or Ambrose where they Ambers Ambersons where it faded. Where one character, the way the scenes fade into each other is so interesting because mm -hmm. you'll get the background will fade into the background of the next scene, but then one part of it will kind of remain and it looks like it belongs in the next scene, but it doesn't. Can you... that, there was one where she was fading. It was from, I think it was from the Ambersons. Where she... Okay, so we'll, we'll wait for that. We'll wait for that. But yeah. Well, the, the, the reporter scenes, are they're, they're often shot in the back. So you just, yeah. you don't even see their face most of the time. Well, that's the thing. And there's reasons for it, right? Just like all of these things we're pointing yeah. out. There's yeah, a yeah, there's yeah. a reason that ties into the subject matter for yeah. them to a theme, the content. Yeah. So, so the, um, yeah, I mean, so, so he is, he is lit up, you know, the reporters in the dark. He yeah. is the story, you know, he is funding the newspapers, but actually he is the story. Whereas the 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 guy's actually you know doing the uh, the the journalism there in the dark. I kind of like the Elon Musk comparison you gave earlier. Yeah, I mean that that one. I mean, there's so many things in both of these movies which are which are just like, yeah, this is we're, we're this is all the same stuff that gets talked about today, and it's here it is, and it's 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 all we've ever talked about. We go over and over again. Well. Pointing out the same things about people. for for the folks at home who have watched the show Succession, it's pretty much also similar with like a comp a guy who's got um an empire with so many companies like news organizations yeah. and a and a cruise ship yeah a cruise right. a cruise line yeah so okay. it's almost like human behavior it doesn't really change all that much regardless of like what technologies are available to us or it's almost like we're pretty consistent whether we're technology technology changes but people don't which is yeah. the problem and why, that's why technology is potentially dangerous because you, human beings don't get any better <laughs> just get more merry christmas everybody merry christmas yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has been the theme of the holiday
Yeah. My my final note is that it's it's not not really specific, but I'll just say watching other directors talk about Citizen Kane was, was really nice. Like Scorsese, um, uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, um, Ben Stiller, um, all the greats. So. Just kidding about Ben Stiller. That was the first name that came to my head. But Scorsese and Spielberg and a couple Gary others. Like, Stiller. <laughs> um, Steven Stills. But no, so watching them talk about Citizen Kane was was quite nice because they're they're um oh and Richard Dreyfus also talked about it too. Um yeah. That was my final note. All right. Do we wanna we wanna rate it? No, quote 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 dump. Quote dump. Quote dump. Anyone have any quotes? Oh, we don't have quotes. We don't have Let me guess. Quotes. You guys didn't write any quotes down. No, he, he wrote nothing wait, down. Wait. We had no time to stop the movie. Pete, we wait, Pete, did you have any notes? Yeah, I had a couple notes. You guys skipped um, over Pete, by the way. So just a note, I think like the the fact that the part of the story, a, a guy like was going to lose the election and they weren't sure what headline and they already have a headline written saying that the the vote was a fraud. Right, right. There we like, go. Like I couldn't Another believe one, yeah. that. That yeah. like that's the most despicable thing I've never heard of that in my whole life. In our democracy. <laughs> in our democracy. And the, and the, this wealthy guy just thought he could like spin the story the next day. So yeah. Like, um, that, I mean, it's Pete, like anybody find that believable? I mean, no, no. But it does. It does make me think of the next and upcoming holiday. No. Pete, I completely agree. Hashtag stop the steal. Stop the Stop everybody. <laughs> so, Stop um, the and then I, I just wanted to touch on what I was bringing up earlier about the the themes of the movie and like what what could be a theme. You think? So, my my after I watched this, my mother in law said said a comment. She goes, she goes, everybody has their own rosebud. So that got me thinking. Oh my god, she just took that theme away from this movie. What, that this what movie's theme is was this set in? What's that? <laughs> What tone of voice was this set? Like, was it um, like everybody has their own? It was said in a way that she was she, with of wisdom, lots ah, okay. of wisdom. It was, it was said with and, wisdom. Okay, you know. all right. And then, and then I was thinking, like, you know, is is the theme of the movie that like wealth can't make you happy? That's another thought. And then, or is the theme of the movie that the parents were right and he was an asshole, and that they were proven right at the end of the movie? Is that is that? I remember one of the scenes he's so, actually talking about how he might have turned out differently, and he's like, "I think I did a pretty good job." On this, you know, like he would have been a better person without all the wealth, but under the circumstances, he did okay. Remember that that scene where basically he's run out of money. Yeah, yeah. And so that was like, there's a certain the, the, he he expresses a certain self awareness and a, a certain kind of like sliding doors, kind of wondering. What would have happened in that scene? Well, there's, there's a moment when it at the beginning of the film when it seems like he's he's been born to all this wealth, and that he seems to to not attach himself to it. He yeah, yeah. doesn't seem terribly concerned with uh, he pulls all his money. Yeah, being in the Ivy League, and and, and then he's mm -hmm. totally unconcerned with any of. Uh, the any any of the investment portfolio except the newspaper because yeah. he thinks it could be like a fun project. So there's and he makes that comment. There's like, oh, if I keep losing a million dollars every year, yeah. then well, this newspaper will be done in six years. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but then he got he went broke ten years later. They made it seem uh, or twelve years later. 
But um, but then he he dies just like alone, pr probably still wealthy because he's die he dies living in his castle with all his stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I I, think, I just think there's a ton of themes going on in this movie, and maybe that was one of its strengths on top of all the filmography. Yeah. So yeah, the the you know Xanadu also like everything else except for the theater review was unfinished. Like everything was unfinished. Mm -hmm. All right. Any more uh, notes, or do we, or do we, are we gonna rate this? Be oh, we quote dump, quote dump, quote dump. Quote dump. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I'm without my notes, so I don't have a note to do quotes. Well, like, I quote dump. Right first, first time I saw this movie, I was a, I was actually a kid, and I and from then I've always loved it, and you know, every number of years I end up seeing it again. But um, when uh, Jedediah is at the old folks' home, and uh, he is trying to, uh, you know, trying to get the uh, the reporter to just just to secretly, you know, get him some uh, cigars. He's like, uh, "Yeah, this this doctor has the idea he's uh, he's going to keep me alive or something like that." <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This young doctor thinks he's going to keep me alive. I just, I just, I really like that. <laughs> that was brilliant. That was yeah. absolutely brilliant. So I'm glad I didn't write that down. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that's always been one of my favorite jokes on him. I've been sneaking hemlock into my milk uh, before bedtime. He was he was actively like uh, you know trying to passively passively kill himself with cigars. I mean, yeah. but you know, he like I, I love that old like that old person attitude of like, yeah, listen, seven or eight decades on this earth is enough. Like, uh, you know, I'm okay. It's any time now is fine. He's got, well, and it's, and it's also, he's got a few years left. Why not? I want to enjoy this time. I don't want to just sit here and waste away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what are you going to, yeah, what are you going to do? Like, like, you know, live another extra two. Oh, you know, I'm just going to stop right here. Forget it. This, this, this doesn't go anywhere positive. So I'll just stop. <laughs> right. Any other quotes, anybody? Anybody else? Quote dump, quote dump. Motivation speaker, Ryan Murphy. Right, give us a quote. <laughs> Demotivationals. Okay. Um, yes, it was it was his sec it was his second ex-wife to him, mm -hmm. and she said, You didn't buy me anything, you just tried to buy me into giving you something. Was that that whole scene that the whole that's so so good when basically it you know it kind of spills the beans about how he he relates to you know people in his life, which you know, which is like but but they they gotta love you. But they gotta love you. You know that whole, that whole thing. I was just like, yeah, that's that that's the whole thing in a nutshell with his relationship with yeah. with relationships. It's, yeah, they got one thing I will say about this movie is they. I mean, I, they did they did kind of speak spoon feed you the theme, right? Because every single person in his life completely understood the relationship like they were under no illusion as to what the relationship was and it was their it, their role in the movie was to spell it out for the audience like in an interview style like oh no this is exactly what he did and they they literally spoon but it wasn't a spoon feed in like in, in a bad way it was a spoon feed in a very natural way and that's i think that is it's even more um apparent to us now that it, but but back in 1941, I don't think the the way that they were spoon fed things were way over the top, and you needed to spoon fed the audience. This is this is like still innovative. Peak. Yeah, I, I I didn't want to use that term because that term has a really negative connotation. But I mean, I guess I was just saying they they were making it 
um, it they made they, they made the theme very clear. Uh, people, but, might, but it is, it does parallel, you know, even today, you know, regardless of what age of America we're talking about. So t today, the amount of energy that goes into trying to explain someone like Elon Musk to people, well, it's because he's this way and it's because he's that way, and they'll interview the people that work for him or they'll interview the the author of the biography, and the amount of energy that, that gets spent. On trying to, it, it's you're going through the same things. It's, it's like, okay, uh, can we explain this person in such a way that we can we can tolerate him or understand him? What drives the people that continue to put up with him, you know, and and, and aren't and aren't just like, you know, well, I'm tired of being yelled at and <laughs> I'm out of here, you know. It's the same thing. I mean, it, all right, Pete, we, Pete, we get out. What do you? What do you get? Up. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this should have been in my note dump, but I'm, I'm going to paraphrase something that he said in the movie. And this is something I caught on my second watch. But when he's outside just before he meets his second wife, mm -hmm. and do you guys did you guys catch where he was going? Oh, interesting. I don't know. He was he, he was going. Uh, yes, to the, he was, yes, because he said he was going to the warehouse. Yeah, he was going yeah. to the warehouse on a sentimental journey. Yeah. And that's something I wouldn't have caught, but like you watch that a second time and you're like, oh, okay, he's he's really thinking about that rosebud even even this early on in life, you know? Yeah. Scorsese yeah. said Scorsese said he said he's like he's like it's the only movie I've ever seen where I can watch it 138th time and I'm gonna find something new. Mm. Yeah. Good call. Good uh, I got two I got two more quotes. Got two more quotes. One one quote is um how old are you? 22? That's a ripe old age. <laughs> Good old 40s, right? <laughs> and then the last one is, uh, oh, I love this one. If I hadn't been very rich, I might have been a really great man. Oh, that was, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was talking about that scene. That, mm -hmm. that sense of, uh, you know, publicly sort of demonstrating the two other characters some self-awareness. Because I, I, my sense was he was always kind of wondering you know, throughout his life, you know, how, would things have been different if I hadn't ended up with this banker dude supporting my education and trying to make me into like a permanently rich dude? You know, what would have happened to me? All right. So uh, any more quotes? All right. Ratings. Um, I'll go first. Uh, really quick. I'm going to give this seven out of 10 uh, seven out of ten. What was I going to say? Um, stolen youths, and it's good with the with the knowledge that it's going to go up with further viewings. All right, uh, Marco, rate and review. I, I'm going to give it nine out of ten naps. <laughs> yeah, can't can't go any higher than nine because I didn't actually see the entire film. But again, with uh, with the option to increase the rating later on on further viewing. Did you say naps? Yes. I okay. naps. He was very you would if you watched it with him, you'd get it. You'd understand. Oh, that makes sense. Cause he was he was napping throughout the whole thing. Um Pete. Yeah, I'll, you know, a movie that's so renowned, you gotta I gotta score it out of infinity because it should get an infinity out of infinity. So I'm gonna go with um eight out of infinity for my score. <laughs> and um the, the wait, only wait a minute is, so you, you essentially gave zero it, you you just gave it a zero what happened there okay okay i'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that 0.8 times infinity divided by infinity 
Um, okay, so different sizes. The only reason I'm not giving it a ten infinities is because like I felt like some scenes had a bit of repetition, like the the her singing and stuff, or her playing a puzzle. So some portions they either like felt too repetition and dragging, or or went a little too fast and. So it was just for me, if I was to rate my best movies that I've watched in the past year, if somebody asked me, hey, what are your top three movies from the last year? This would not be in my top three. That's the only reason I couldn't give this a nine or a 10. Fair enough. I think it's, okay, it does come back to you have to see more than once. It's not something that you watch the first time. Be like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I mean, I mean, I guess it's possible, but the, the gen, the gen pop. Um, Bri. Right. Uh, you know, I also given this was made this was made in the forties. Yeah. Yeah. Forty one. Yeah. yeah. It was made in the fucking forties. This is a, a clear five out of five underrated opera singers. Wow. So ten out of ten. There yeah. we go. Is that what that translates to? Oh my god, did I just did I just do math it correctly? Pete, we Pete. no longer need Pete. Wow. It's a deal. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I did. I did really great math tonight. Yeah. yeah, this is opposite world today. Raguch got it perfectly, and Pete doesn't know what numbers are. I feel also. I feel like since you just brought up the 1940 thing, it like it makes me want to push an eight and a half. But whatever, eight and a half out of ten. That's a, that's like mediocre. Oh no, that's good. that's that's a B. Is that a film? That's a film is, that a, is that a Fellini reference or a film reference? Just say yes, Pete. Like, we're dropping some heavy puns. We're, yeah. you know, bang. There it is. On your foot. Oh, Fellini, like feline. QQ. I get it. Oh, my God. It just Meow. keeps getting deeper. I get this one. Zero <laughs> out of ten paws up Pete's dog's ass. <laughs> <laughs> What's a paw of, oh, you know, don't answer that. <laughs> don't. don't. All right. Uh, uh, Renzo, yeah. how would you rate this movie? Uh, four screaming cockatoos out of four. I've always loved this film. I've always thought it was one of the best ever. And the four scale. Nice, a new scale. Yeah. Four out of four screaming cockatoos. All right. So uh, who saw the um, Ambrosians, the mighty Ambrosians? So, the Magnificent Ambrosians. The, the mighty ambivalence. I'm going to watch it, Marco. I'm going to watch it. I take this seriously. It's, I'm yeah, going to watch it. it. So the three of us, uh, me and the, the Brunderai boys, we watched... Uh, the magnificent Am Am person says Ambersons. Ambersons. I was doing what QQ. The magnificent Am persons. Oh, oh, sorry, that's okay. Yeah. Um, Renzo, what did you think? Oh, um, no, I, so I don't know. Getting into kind of you know some of the themes that I mentioned. Um, you know, this is like observing and. Um, you know, observing observing things that we've been having issues with, you know, for the entirety of our, our country's history. And there were a number of them and also in this movie. So um and you saw the the way that sort of the, the old money family was not able to adjust to a changing world. Um, although the the irony of this, of course, you know, because it's actually like an interesting movie, is the fact that you know uh the most disagreeable character in the entire film is the one that points out that, you know, maybe these automobiles aren't such a hot idea. And uh, there's the, uh, you know, the references to and scenes with like black smoke, you know, making people cough and, you know, you know, particularly him when he was behind uh, 
the uh, horseless carriage. Um, so the, uh, yeah, um, there was like a, at the same time, there was this kind of uh, nostalgia for an old world. Um, there was a, a real environmental sensibility um, and, uh, and sort of a demonstration of uh, what happens to you if you can't adapt to changing conditions um right yeah, yeah. so it's because this is so this is at the ampersons are like a well-to-do family they they live in this big like the nicest house on the block everyone's admired they're kind of like a royalty family that everybody follows their their love interests and their move they have their their the young son he's 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 a horrible he's horrible he's kind of a bit of a brat he goes up to college. They, 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 there's a narrator, Richard Orson Welles, who says, "Oh, he's going. He, everybody wants him to get his cup up and, and which eventually does happen because the family is the fall from grace. The main, the main one of the the guys who is in shadow of a doubt. He has an uh, automobile company. He's inventing the automobile, and then you know this kid is like, hey, like who's going to need automobiles? I like, I'll give me a horse and carriage, and he eventually gets his comeuppance in the end." And yeah, but all that stuff about the, you know, industry, industrial revolution, technology moving forward. And what do you think, Marner? Uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking about the contrast between the two characters, because you have Kane and then you have uh, George and Magnificent Hammersons. And in one case, you have a child born into wealth and very comfortable with the silver spoon in his mouth, who ends up being insufferable throughout the entire film, um, even going so far as as to, to ruin his mother's only chance at finding love. And the film kind of wraps up with his, um, what is that called? Uh, Comeuppance? No, well, the opposite of a fall from grace. He actually it comes to a sense of awareness is a, re a redemption there's mm. actually after he's he goes into he's in like poverty and he has to take a job at like as a, and, as a dynamite ends factory ends up in an accident and yeah. both his legs are broken thanks to an automobile yeah, yeah. that's right yeah. so if he, he finally has a point of redemption and, and asks for forgiveness from the shadow of a doubt uh uh, uh actor um as opposed to the Citizen Kane character who was never really comfortable with uh, his entry into the elite, but at the same time is never able to remove himself from it and end up dying in a state of uh when he's at when he's asked when he's saying, Kane, what do you want to be what do you want to be like everything you hate? Like, right. I am I am just here to be what you hate. That's my but, job. But he 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 flirts he flirts with that as an identity, but he never like completely leans into it because he and and it, in his earlier years he's coming off as almost like a, a you know he, he could come off as like a young narcissist uh, in a way, but at the end he gets accused of of being a fascist and he, he just wait. Seemed, who are we talking? We're talking about Kane. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, since since you were well, he was him. accused of yeah, he was accused of communist fascist and yeah, that was at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so he he uh, even though he's um he's never truly comfortable with, with that identity, he, he also never makes a a, a a real attempt to break free from it. 
Um, whereas George, George is Lorenzo, okay. just okay. <laughs> since whereas George is is forced to uh, um, through circumstance to to see um, the other side and and to fully embody uh, the other side of poverty, and and in that seems to have some realization about uh, his own his own lot of life. So kind of an interesting contrast between. The two, um, uh, yeah, just general comments. And I thought it was the perfect way to end what was a magnificent and magnificent month of Orson Welles. And let's just how about this? Let's just say as we do now. Let's salute. Bravo. Go. Let's salute. Bravo. 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 Uh, well done. Well yeah, done. just general general reflections. Things that I I would have done differently. I would have I would have nixed uh, the supplementals. I would have uh, put uh, all the focus on one film per week uh, because I think it was a good. This this was more of like a survey class. I, guess. I enjoyed the trial. I I I really enjoyed the trial, Marco. It, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, like you know, it, if I had to re-pick uh, four films, um, yeah, obviously having gone through it now, there are definitely at least four films that I, I'd probably want to dive into uh, a second time. So it was very, it was, it was good as a survey month, uh, but I, I think uh, it for me, it just uh, kind of made me aware. That there's so much to dig into with Orson Welles that it it really does require a a, a good deal of time and, and attention and, and mindfulness and, and approaching any any one of these films. It should be mentioned that the someone is working on a revamped uh, Magnificent Ambersons, which is an attempt to include all the scenes that were cut um, that. And you know, made the movie uh, sort of a sort of a, a fraction of what it was meant to be. And these scenes are uh, being animated in black and white. And at some point, it's going to be finished. It was, I think, it was supposed to be finished December of, of last year. And him or the whoever, whatever crew is working on it, is still working on it. But at some point, it'll it's supposed to be out. And then uh, it'll be the full it'll be the full story of the Magnificent Andersons, apparently. And, and we will revisit that the next time we go more in depth into Orson Welles. Um, for now, <laughs> and I and I, and I uh, my my thought on that I just I really enjoyed this month. Really enjoyed it. I knew nothing about Orson Welles coming in, and now I feel like I feel like I, it's just the tip of the iceberg. We honestly we need five weeks not on Orson Welles movies. We need five weeks just on Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you could easily, easily, easily spend five weeks exploring, you know, either exploring him from the standpoint of director, writer, producer, actor. I, I mean, there's any number of ways you could you could approach a, a month like this. But by I no might even be more interested in him than his movies. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. By, by no supplementals, Marco. I know you 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 would not omit the uh, the drunken champagne commercials. Obviously. Oh God, yeah. no, no, that was yeah. crucial. Yeah. That was. I love the supplementals. Paul, Paul Masson, the Paul Masson commercial was was very much an integral part of understanding Orson Welles, the man, the myth, the legend. Okay, next month is January. It's a Brian month. Brian, now's the time. Reveal what is next month's theme. 
Do you want a drum roll while you get things ready? Are you going to want to reference this question? Uh, yeah, no, can everybody see this okay? Too late. Too late. Okay. Yeah. Can everyone see this okay? The, this is clearly the theme. Uh, wait a second. The Jan movies Did you write January 6th? What, Brian? What did, what did that say? <laughs> I got, got, it. I got <laughs> it in there. <laughs> okay, guys. Um, we see a see. black screen. Is that okay? Good, good. Right. So everybody, there's a gray triangle. Oh, is it? Um, is everybody, it everybody, wait, just wait, just fucking everybody. Kubrick, pack your bags, pack your bags. We're going to to Saint Lucia. Kubrick. Oh, oh, oh yeah. There's the reveal. Ooh. Pack your bags, everybody. We're going oh, to Iceland. <laughs> Ola, Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick Smorfinson. The famous and there we go. Now, I know there are omissions to this lineup, and, and some of you might actually be mad or upset. I don't know. Some of you might be upset, but this I'm just, is I'm just generally upset all the time. So <laughs> you know. but you now nah, so we got, do you want week to one for the folks at week, home? Do you wanna okay? Sorry, go yeah. Week one. Here we go. Um I'm excited. I'm ex I'm especially excited for weeks one and two because there are four movies I've never seen before. You do not have to watch the supplementals, but you know I'm I'm kind of a fan of the supplementals. Raguch knows every time he gives a ridiculous month that I dig in deep. Whether it's Takashi Mike or your your New York State of Grime month, like I'm in. Regardless of the emotional scarring, <laughs> almost almost like almost because of the emotional scarring, I'd say. So week one is two films I've never seen before. Some of Kubrick's early works, The Killing and Paths of Glory. These are both kind of war movies. Well, what, the first one is a classic film noir. Um, so they're, they're violence and, and war. The second week is Barry Lyndon and the supplemental will be Lolita. Uh, these are both kind of more, a little bit more comedies and love stories. Now, weeks three and four, so really, if I wanted to do proper pairings, I would have put The Shining with the Clockwork Orange and did a horror week, but there's no way I wanted to combine those two. So A Clockwork Orange is kind of going to stand by its own on week three. Horror will continue in week four with The Shining and the supplemental, a pseudo-horror, more drama, eyes wide shut. Uh, and then week five, a standalone, uh, one people say one of the greats of all time, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Um, and I, and now listen, listen, everybody, I know I left, as everybody know what I left off, uh, the Care Bears movie, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> wait, wait, I got to think about this now. Uh, oh, come on guys. Dang it. What did I leave off? Oh, 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 oh full, metal full, metal nope, full metal jacket. No, full metal jacket. Um, it's, you know, I, I honestly, it, it pairs well with paths of glory, uh, but I've never seen the killing and the killing is supposed to be a classic. So it just, uh, it's something, something good had to be cut and that's what was cut. So I'm sorry about that. I do apologize, but sorry. I, sorry. I, my guess is everyone has already seen full metal jack. Well, I'm sure everybody's seen mo wait out of all the, has there, uh, who, who's seen these movies? Or? I've seen two out of those five. I'm not going to reveal which of the obvious one I haven't seen. You've seen The Shining. I know that. I've, That's, I've yeah, seen three and a half. Oh, shit. Okay. All right. Let's go to date, man. All right. I'm going to, we're going to stop the recording real quick. Um, join us next week. Am I on the recording? You're on the record. We'll edit you up and post. Just, but don't say anything for a second.
All right. It, uh, it's an audio recording anyway. Oh, yeah, it'll be no we video. Don't, we don't do the video. Um, yeah, see you next week. Super interesting. He just, these random debates he gets into. And I just want to ask a question to the group and get your feedback because this is super, I know the answer, but um, <laughs> is John Stamos a member of the Beach Boys? Yeah. Uh, he, he's he the did. drummer. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's the current drummer, I think. Everybody? Is that, is that, was that it? Yeah. He's, he's quite, he's quite a capable drummer. Mm. Oh, that's not the question. The question is, is he a member of the Beach Boys? Yeah, he is. Well, obviously not an original member, but he he started touring with them at some point. I agree too. All right, that'll that'll be all. Okay, that was quick. Okay, good. For I think duck pin bowling. You could use this for duck pins. Yeah. Candle pin. Candle pin. Candle pin bowling. Second up again, bro. Second week in a row, we're talking about candle pin bowling. You know who loves candle pin bowling? Garfield and Heathcliff. Who would win in a in a bowling match between Garfield and Heathcliff? Garfield. Heathcliff doesn't give a fuck, dude. Although Garfield. <laughs> <doesn't give a> <laughs> That's why we love him. <laughs>